Hello, my unearthlings, and welcome back to another episode of Unearthly, a podcast where we talk about true crime cases, paranormal happenings, and all things out of this world. As usual, I'm your host, Kenley, and for this week's episode, we will take a journey to the frigid northern Ural Mountains of Russia to discuss a rather unusual unsolved case called the Dyatlov Pass Incident. Hi. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> you're probably you're probably wondering, Kenley, where the hell have you been? Uh, and I'll tell you, it's been busy. Like, um, I had a whole schedule that I had made up, and it got thrown off back in September area before October. And it just, I haven't been able to pick things up. Like, I know uh, other people have struggled with that, where you have a hard time, like, you have this schedule that you have set, and it's hard to maintain it once something throws it off, and once, like, October, November, and December, like, those are all holiday stuff, like, a Halloween, Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas, like, those things, like, keep me really busy, because those are, like, that's the holiday season, the major holiday season, so... (laughs) It's, it's been since September, I don't even know how long it's been. I know it's been since the end of September since I last, like, put something out. <laughs> so it's, it, it's, you know, you could say it's been a whole year later. <laughs> I'm kidding. That was, that was, that was cringy. Just the whole, oh, it's been a year because of the new year. I, you know, I feel like you, you, <laughs> I don't even have to explain myself with the joke, you know, you you know what I'm saying, but I I know the break, uh, like, it keeps happening to me where I get thrown off, and I'm trying so hard to, like, maintain that as much as I can, and I know it's ridiculous, but I'm here, and we're back in business, I'm getting at it again, We're, we're trying to get back at it again, but I, I just want to thank you for your patience uh, with me. Uh, the patience is greatly appreciated, truly. Like, the fact that whoever is listening right now, the fact that you stayed with the podcast even during long uh, increments of a break, like, you're still here, and that means a lot to me, so thank you very much. Um, I I have discovered, like, I, I mean, I knew- ow, ow, ow. By the way, Loki's here. As usual, Loki is present and he just decided to mess with my foot a little bit. Scratch me. Thanks, bud. Because I wasn't petting him. That's how it works. Anyway, um, I've discovered that, I mean, I knew this whole time that I have a struggle with focusing on things, especially when there's so many things happening. Like, I'm trying to hyper-focus on this podcast and my writing Like, I've said before, I want this to be my career. I want making entertainment, like, the podcast. I'm producing an entertainment to you through listening. And then with my writing, I want to produce, like, the literature side of entertainment. Like, I want to write a book or two or three. I have many ideas of what I want to do. And then I want to keep doing podcasts. I want to even expand and do other things with like say a fictional podcast um or I mean I know I've said this so many times before but I feel like I just I get so excited just talking about it (laughs) 
but it's like I want this <laughs> to be my career. Unearthly won't be my only podcast. I know down the road at some point I'm bound to have more. Um, like I said, a fictional one. Maybe I'll do like a funny history one because there's a lot of like weird moments in history. Not just like true crime, paranormal and stuff like that. Just funny stuff. <laughs> um, uh, the goal is to expand. Like I have set up a YouTube channel, but nothing has been posted because <laughs> I don't know where to start with that. I know nothing. I'm still I'm still even getting the hang of having this um, whole recording set up. Like, the app that I use, I'm still having a hard time understanding it totally. Like, I don't know how to edit my audios or anything like that. Like, I'm still getting the hang of things. So what you're hearing is, like, straight-up raw audio of me just talking, rambling, whatever. I don't pause. I can't cut. I don't know what I... It's just me. (laughs) It's just me here and I'm still figuring things out. So once again, that's like another thing where I'm like, thank you for your patience in a way because you're having patience with me and I'm learning (laughs) a lot of stuff. But I'm I'm, I'm just happy to be here. Uh, Like I said, uh, I want to eventually add to the YouTube channel. Like I want to go on investigations. Like I want to get haunted like, go to paranormal, like, equipment, like, a, a Ovulus or, like, a REM pod, um, digital recorder, like, I want to get, like, all that stuff, and I want to go places and do, like, investigations, because I feel like it would be so much fun, like, just get, like, a little group together and go do that stuff, like, I would love that, and, like, I even have, like, an Amazon wish list that I made <laughs> of, like, equipment, And I never knew how much some of this stuff would be. Like, um, there's this one website that sells this equipment. And they have, like, the the teddy bear that, like, makes sounds in it. Like, it's like a REM pod teddy bear kind of, like, deal. And it, like, it monitors the temperature, I'm pretty sure. And then it, like, makes sounds. And then you have the music box that makes sounds. It's, once again, similar to the REM pod, I guess. But it makes, like, a creepy, like tune to it I guess I don't know but there's this website I forget what it's called I literally for a good while I was like oh my god I want all this stuff but they have the SLS camera like the whole thing and I want it so bad but it's like over a thousand dollars for the camera and I'm like well that'll be a while (laughs) like the investigations and stuff will definitely take some time to eventually reach because the prices of uh, equipment I didn't think would be a lot, (laughs) like that much, I guess. Like, I knew it was going to be a lot because it is technology, it's equipment and stuff, but I didn't think it would be that expensive, you know? Uh, Okay. (laughs) Enough with me, like, rambling. Wait, I have some stuff written down, and I know that I should, like, keep track of it. But I keep going off the rails. It happens a lot. It's called ADHD. Probably. Uh, where am I at? Okay, so I said about the investigations at Haunted Places. Um, I would also like to play video games on YouTube. Like, I feel like that would be fun. Just play, like, horror games. Even though I hate horror games. Like, I hate horror games. I hate horror movies. I physically cannot watch either. But yet, I will happily go to a haunted place or I will watch, like, a paranormal investigation show. 
Like, it, it makes no sense. Or I'll watch true crime. Like, I'm perfectly fine with watching any of that and listening to it. But when it comes to horror, like, stuff jumping out at me, I can't do that. So maybe it would be a funny experience for me to play horror games for everybody to see and watch me cry like a little baby. Um, Also, the fact that you've been taking the time to listen to this episode, maybe you should check out my socials and swing by the Patreon. Uh, Leaving feedback would always be great. Like, even if you shoot me a little message, just be like, oh, you're doing great. Like, oh, that's nice. I'll even take some criticism, like, give it to me. I, I want the feedback. Um, I, I appreciate it and it means the world to me now that I have all of that out of the way because I am looking at my notes and it's saying, stop talking, stop rambling, get to the point. (laughs) Um, so now without further ado, how about we get into this week's topic? (laughs) Um, you guys are here for that. You're not here for me blabbing about all this stuff that, you don't really want to hear. It's just a bad habit of mine where I just ramble constantly. <laughs> um, but even even Loki is here looking at me like, Mom, can you please move on? Like, like please? You're boring me over here. <laughs> I either uh, imagine Loki speaking in a Boston or New York accent for some reason, or uh, Loki sounds like... Tom Hiddleston, like, from his role as Loki from the Marvel movies in my head. So it's either, like, Mom, move on with it. (laughs) You're boring me. Or, Mother, please get on with it. You're losing my interest. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's the eyes. I I really don't know. Loki just stares at me sometimes. And I just feel like that's how he sounds. Stop it. Okay, I get it. You want the attention. This isn't your podcast. It's mine. <laughs> um, okay, enough of that. I went off track again. I know, it happens. It's a really bad habit that I'm going to break eventually. Who knows how long it'll take, but I'll break it eventually. So, Diet Love Pass. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're getting into it now. Diet Love Pass. Uh, raise your hand if you have heard of it. Uh-huh. Okay, so a few of you. Good, good. A decent amount, maybe. I don't know. I'm guessing because I, I can't really see you. So, yeah. Um, for those who haven't, call me Miss Frizzle because you better buckle your seatbelts. We're going to take a trip to, uh, we're going to take a field trip to Russia in 1959. <laughs> so, uh, this expedition, uh, the hiking group consisted of 10 people led by a man named uh, Igor Dyatlov. Uh, who was a 23-year-old radio engineering student at the Ural Polytechnical Institute, which is now the Ural Federal University. I feel like I should go through and introduce all the members of this expedition. So, give me like, I don't know, tw- no, it's not going to take me 20 seconds. I have it written down like, maybe 20 seconds will, it'll take you, but no. Um... Because I know it's going to take me longer because I'm going to butcher these names. They're Russian names. I'm going to mess it up. You know, I apologize ahead of time for the absolute crime I'm about to commit on these names. (laughs) So, like I said, the group was led by Igor 
Dyatlov. He was 23 at the time of this expedition. Then we have Yuri Doroshenko, who was 21, which, by the way, I'm going to be 21 soon. Woo! <laughs> um, so we have Yuri. Um, then there's Ludmila Dubinina. <laughs> I really don't know if I'm pronouncing these right. She was 20 at the time. Then we have Georgi Kriovishenko. They also called him Yuri. Um, he had been 23 at the time. Then we have Alexander Kolvatov. Kolvatov? I don't know. He was 24 <laughs> at the time. And then we have Zinaida. Zinaida? Kolmogrova. Kolmogrova. Uh, she had been 22. Then we have Restim Slobodin. 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 Uh, he had been 23. Nikolai. Oh no. <laughs> That's a big word. It looks French. The Beau Brignoles? He was 23. I absolutely apologize. <laughs> like, I feel so bad that I can't. I should have practiced all these names before I got to this, but my brain has one brain cell. <laughs> Maybe a half brain cell. Who knows? Um, the last. No. The second last, we have Simon Zolotarv, Zolotarvyov, Zolotarvyov, I don't know. <laughs> he was the oldest of the group at the age of 38. Uh, and lastly, we have Yuri Yudin. Uh, he was 21 at the time, and he is the only survivor. Uh, I will get into why he is the only living one, or... Well, he was the only living one. He actually passed away in 2013 at the age of 75. Now that we have the names done and gone through, let us begin the expedition in their shoes. Shall we? Shall we? Oh, well, first, I would like to read a piece of a diary. Uh, a lot of members kept diaries, which allowed people to track their movements for clues, such as as to what happened or something. This is... Uh, a journal entry that I found on, like, there's, like, a website that has all of the journal entries, all of, like, there's a group journal, they have all their separate ones, but, um, this is a journal entry from Dub E Dubinina? Dubinina's? I don't know. Um, we'll call her Dubi. Or Nina. We'll call her Nina. I feel like Nina is pretty. So, Nina. Uh, this is her diary. Uh, a part. Dated January 23rd, 1959. I will begin reading now. <laughs> it's the last day of preparations, and everything has been quite hectic. From 11 in the morning, I was scampering between stores buying different bits and pieces and I was silly enough to buy five meters of cambric, which cost 200 rubies. Rubbles. I messed up. <laughs> Rubbles. I was packing in such a rush, and of course, I've forgotten at home my sweater. Everyone was busy with something, and we had so many things to do. Just before our departure, those who wanted to say goodbye came to meet us. We were really short of time, but arrived at the railway station with seconds to spare. Then we had to say goodbye to everyone. Before leaving, 
We sang a few songs, but in the cart, Bill and Ov group joined, and we continued singing together. Among all the most notable is Krautov's bass. This time, there were a lot of new songs that we were writing down with the help of of an instructor, Zolotar Yov, (laughs) who came with us on this trek. At first, nobody wanted this Zolotar, we'll call him Zolo, Zolo, for he is a stranger, but we all agreed because you can, can't refuse. Thus, we were ten, and remained ten. End quote. Please ignore the fact that I messed up several times in that and corrected myself during that. <laughs> Listen, I'm... I need to take a drink of water. Okay, so this is... I'm gonna make this, like, a mandatory thing. Whenever I take a drink of water, you take a drink of water, because water is important for all of us. So, take a drink, or else. I don't know what the threat will be when I say, or else. But I'm gonna leave that up to you. No. I'm I'm not gonna say what the or else will be, because that'll keep you on edge and make you drink your water. So, drink water. I'm drinking. Oh god. That almost went bad. <laughs> I know there's only one tube, and people say, like, oh, it went down the wrong tube, but there's only one tube, but that, yeah, okay. (laughs) Okay, break time. Water break is over for now. I'll probably get another sip later. Um, But I think it's interesting reading through the diaries of these people. Not only are there, like, the diaries, but there are pictures as well of their journey, like, uh, they put, they took pictures and stuff, which I will totally put some of them on the Instagram. Um, all right, so with that, let's carry on with that expedition. On January 23rd, they have left, they had left, sir, oh god, sir, do, do, lo, sk, sir, <laughs> this episode is me struggling to pronounce Russian names of towns and people. (laughs) So, please bear with me. Continue the patience that you had (laughs) during my long break to now. Like, just just keep that patience going. I beg. (laughs) I beg of you. So, they had left served served Lovsk at 9.05pm by train and the trip to Surov, I hope I pronounced that right, because that was the easiest one. Surov is S-E-R-O-V. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of these, okay? I- I'm literally saying, if I get anything wrong, <laughs> yell at me. <laughs> I mean, don't like, yell at me because I don't cry, but like, scold me for not pronouncing correctly. <laughs> So, uh, Surov was a, uh, the train ride to Surov was 10 hours and 34 minutes. The distance between the two locations was about 241 miles, or if you read by, uh, kilometers, uh, then it was 388 kilometers. Um, they arrived at the train station around 7.39 in the morning on the 24th. They were in Surov for about, like, 11 hours before they left, and made their way to Ivedel. 
That's a guess. That's a guess on pronunciation. All of these are going to be a guess. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's bad. Um, so, they were in Syrup for 11 hours before they left and made their way to Ivedale, which had been a 4 hour and 55 minute train ride to cover 82 miles or 134 kilometers. <laughs> Uh, they got to Ivedale around midnight, and they spent the night at the train station. At around 6 a.m. the following morning of the 25th, they took a bus from the railway station into the city of Ivedale, where they went to a post office to stamp their route books before getting on a bus at 7 in the morning. Uh, on that bus, they took a trip of 56 miles or 90 kilometers to the village of Vishai. Vishai? Vishai? I don't know. Uh, they got there at 2 p.m. They got their route book stamped again at that post office before they stayed at a hotel for the rest of the night. The next morning at 10 a.m. on the 26th, they sent their last messages to their family and friends. And with that, uh, I'm going to read you a postcard that Rustim Slobodin had sent. So here we go. Starting now. Hello, sedentary citizens of Serv... Oh, no. <laughs> I did it again. Uh, Servdolfsk. Uh, yesterday, we safely reached the village of Vashai. Now, we are taking a trek to the starting point, Second Northern. The weather is nice, warm. Everything is good. I am sorry I didn't say goodbye. Got carried away. All the best, R. Slobodin. End quote. <laughs> if you wanted me to be like, end quote. I don't know. Uh, after lunch at about 11.30 p.m., the group, the group got a ride to the District 41 settlement, which is about 25 miles north of Vishai, or 40 kilometers. Um, the truck had ineffective brakes and broken springs. It was also very exposed within the back. So many believe that this is where Yuri Yudin had gotten sick. Um, they arrived at District 41 around 4.30 p.m., where they had been greeted by civilian workers. Uh, there at District 41, they stayed the night, they watched movies, and, so, like, they just spent their day watching movies, enjoying time, singing, and, and yeah. The next day, uh, which was January 27th, they left District 41, and at 4 p.m. they headed to the Second Northern. Uh, so this is where we start to lose Yuri Yudin, um, the only survivor. His condition had worsened. Uh, to continue the expedition, it was impossible for him to do so without becoming a burden, so he decided to go back. Uh, the group discussed the matter and decided that Yuri will go back with them to the Second Northern, and from there, we'll make the final decision. Like, I, like, they say if his pain stops, he can continue with the group, but if it gets bad, then he'll take... He, he decided that he would take drilling samples from Second Northern and return to Servdolfsk. Dolfsk. I don't know. Um, clearly, we know that the final decision is that he's going to go back because he can't continue on. So on the 28th, they went to Second Northern Sediment, and the remaining hikers continued while uh, Yudin turned back to his due to his health issues. On the January 29th, it was Yuri... Doroshenko's birthday, and he had turned 21 that day. Um, 
They started, uh, well, that day they spent taking turns cutting a trail through the snow every 10 minutes, and the group would take a break about 70 minutes. They stayed along the Aspia, 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 I don't know. Uh, it was a river that they stayed near, so it was like, 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 you know how, like, in Hansel and Gretel, they left, like, breadcrumbs? Was it Hansel and Gretel? Or, like, how people leave, like, things along in the woods to keep their tracks or whatever? They used the river as that, basically, I'm guessing. Um, but that night, they pitched a tent along the river and slept on the 30th at around 8.30 to 9 in the morning, they continued their trek along the river. At 2 p.m., they had a lunch break, and at 5 p.m., they stopped for an overnight. I literally have most stuff written down from this whole thing. Like, I found a website that had all of, like, their footsteps, like, laid out from the use of their journals and record books and all that stuff. So, yay. <laughs> Um, on the 31st, there isn't too much information, though, but from the group diary they kept, uh, Igor wrote in it saying, We're exhausted, but start setting up for the night. Firewood is scarce, mostly damp furs. We built the campfire on the logs, too tired to dig a, a fire pit. Dinner's in the tent, nice and warm. Can't imagine such a comfort on the ridge with howling wind outside, hundreds of kilometers away from human settlements. End quote. I continued uh, to try and read the diaries to find more information to tell you about the depth of the journey. And I don't want to, like, bore you to death with it because <laughs> it's long. Like, it took me a while to truly, like, get through it. Like, it, it, it was long. You just... <laughs> um. Like, I don't want to bore you to death, but I feel like I already have. As, like, I started with the whole journey, I... Unless you enjoy me talking about the whole thing, I don't know. But we are going to get through, get to it, uh, to what makes this case fascinating. So, yay! <laughs> Let's have a clap. I'm trying to be quiet, like, I don't want to, like clap loudly into the mic, you know? I don't want to hurt your eardrums. Like, that would make me feel bad. Um, so we're gonna skip a few days of the journey. So, really quick, recap. They stopped at several different places. Your Yudin, he was injured, he was sick, he had to go back. So he's the only survivor. Um, and now they're starting out on their actual, like, they, they're just now starting out on the thing that they have planned. So, we're gonna get to where we need to be now. So, uh, we're, we're getting towards the end of the journey. Like, they just about made it to the finish. Um, before leaving, though, uh, Dietlov had agreed he would send a telegram to their sports club as soon as the group reached no as soon as the group returned to Vishai it was expected that this would happen no later on the than the 12th of February 
But Dyloff had told Yudin before he had decided to turn back that he expected it to be longer. So, woo. Um, when the 12th passed, there was really no immediate reaction when no messages or anything had been received. It, it's There's always, like, a few days of a delay. Uh, like, it's common when it comes to those types of expeditions, I've, I've realized. When I, like read through everything, of course there's going to be a little bit of delay. Um, however, once it got to the 20th of February, so it, it's been a good few days since he was. they were supposed to receive the telegram. So it's been... Yes, I'm counting on my fingers. Don't make fun of me. It's been nine days. <laughs> It's been nine days uh, since they were supposed to get the telegram. And I guess the most, like, of the delay is probably, what, like, two to three days? Maybe one to two? I don't know. Um, But once, like, nothing was being... Nothing was... Had arrived since, like, on the 20th. Nothing had arrived. The relatives to the expedition members uh, demanded that they were, like... We need to start doing a uh, rescue operation. They aren't back yet. No messages has been sent. We haven't gotten anything. They knew something was wrong at that point. They knew that the fact that there was such like a huge, there was a nine day delay in messages. So that just told them something had happened. Um, the head of the Institute first sent a search party consisting of volunteer students and some teachers but when they turned up with nothing, the army and police became involved. They used planes and helicopters to search uh, as well. It took six days after, so I don't know when it is that like things happened. But so you have the nine days of no messages to the six days that it took to find the, the group's like tent. So, it's it's been a good while. I'm not going to do the math on my fingers again. I can't do math. I feel like you guys know that by now, that I can't do math very well. I'm not very good at it. And even though it's simple addition. Wait, I'm going to try and do it in my head. Don't talk. <laughs> Let me have some concentration. So, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14... 15, 15 days. <laughs> it's been 15 days. I know I shouldn't be laughing because this is really serious. Because it's it's a crazy case, but it, it took 15 days for them to find the tent. No, not really 15 days. It took them six days, but it took them... Okay, nine days to realize something was wrong. So then they sent out the search. And then the six days of searching before they found anything. So I'm getting myself confused. I'm sorry if I'm getting you confused, but my brain, like I said, one brain cell. <laughs> There's only one. And, or, or maybe it's like one and a half. I shared the other half with Loki. Who knows? <laughs> so, like I said, they used planes and helicopters to help the search. It took six days until they found the abandoned a tent that was badly, like, it it was a mess. 
Um, they found the tent on Kohalt Sakul. I don't know. Um, which in that language uh, around that area, that phrase literally means dead mountain. So their tent was found on dead mountain. Coincidence? <laughs> I don't know, but it's just a little like like weird thing where like the mountain that they're literally on is dead mountain anyway. Um, the sight of the camp shocked the search party as the tent was half torn down, covered with snow. There was no sight of the hikers, uh, just yet, but they found their belongings inside the tent. Um, what belongings were notable, you ask? Shoes. They left their shoes. Shoes. That means they don't have any shoes on. (laughs) They left their tent bare feet. Barefoot. In the snow. Um, another thing that was noted by investigators was that the tent looked like it had been cut open from the inside. So, we have a set of nine footprints of people who are either only in their socks, um, or some may have on one shoe, or they are completely barefoot. Um, investigators were able to follow those footprints to the edge of a nearby, like, wooded area, on the opposite end of the pass, almost about like a mile north uh, east, northeast of the camp. And at that spot, they found the remains of a small fire as well as two bodies. The first two bodies belonged to Georgie Krivoshenko and Yuri Doroshenko. They were found without their shoes and only clothing on their bodies were their underwear. Uh, the branches of the tree, about, like, five meters up, had been broken, so it is suspected that one of them climbed up the tree, perhaps to find the camp or, or something. Um, between that place and the camp, there were f- three more bodies found in that area. So, those bodies were Igor Dyatlov, uh, Zenaida Kolmogrova, and Rustim Sol- Slobodin. Uh, now, the first five that I named, their medical examination found no injuries that might have led to their deaths. Um, it was ruled that they had died thanks to hypothermia. Nothing nothing was odd. Um, it is said that Slobodin had a crack in his skull, that, but it wasn't a fatal wound. Like, they don't believe it was a fatal wound. Uh, the next four bodies, a uh, completely different story. This is where I feel like the whole idea of the case turns to that weird, like, oh my god, what happened kind of, like, case, because it's odd. It is odd, and I will say it is. So, the next four bodies were found two months later. Like, it took two months for them to find the other four, and they were found in May under 13 feet of snow, about 200 or so feet from where uh, Georgie and Yuri Yuri had been found, so near the wooded area. Um, those bodies were Ludmina, uh, Dubanina, Alexander Kol- Kolvatov, Nikolai, I'm just going to call them by their first names. So we got Ludmina, Lud, Mila, Alexander, Nikolai, and Simon. 
Uh, three out of the four were better dressed than others, uh, which suggested that some of the clothing had been removed or taken off of the bodies that had died first so that the others could use them for warmth. Uh, the examination of those four had changed the entire narrative completely. Like, you have the other, the other, what, five? Yeah, five other bodies, they pass from hypothermia. Now they do autopsy of the new four, or mostly three of them had the fatal injuries, but the three, it just, it's weird. <laughs> um, so three of them had fatal injuries that one described that uh, would require the force uh, to cause such damage would have been extremely high, comparable to that of a car crash. So <laughs> whatever happened to them had been a very, yeah, I, I don't know how else to ex explain it. So Nikolai, he had major skull damage, while uh, Dobinina and Zolotarv, Zolotaryov had major chest fractures. Uh, there was no external wounds associated with the bone fractures, um, as if they had been dealt like to a high level of pressure. All four bodies uh, found, they were found at the bottom of a creek in a running stream of water, uh, which had soaked the soft tissue um, and caused like damage to the soft tissue to their head and face. For example, uh, Dubnina, Dubnina was missing her tongue, uh, her eyes, and part of her lips, uh, as well as facial tissue and a fragment of skull bone. Zolo, Zolo Tarvyov was also missing his eyes, and Kolo, Kolo, oh wait, what are their first names again? Okay, so Ludmila, she was missing her tongue, eyes, and part of her lips, as well as the fragment of her skull bone and facial tissue. Uh, Alexander uh, was also missing his eyes, and then Simon was missing his eyebrows, which... I don't necessarily understand the whole missing eyebrow thing. Like, everyone else is missing, like, their tongues, their eyes, and his is just eyebrows. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, it had been decided that a lot of these injuries happened post-mortem due, due to the location of the bodies in the stream. The initial speculation was that the indigenous Manzi people who uh, were reindeer herders uh, to the local area, had attacked and murdered the group for coming onto their land. Several Manzi people were interrogated, but the investigation basically cleared them because the nature of the deaths didn't fit and only the hikers' footprints were visible, so, like, there wasn't any other footprints other than theirs. And there was also no sign of a hand-to-hand -hand struggle, combat, or anything like that. There's also... Some uh, information that the journalist had to report. Uh, so this is some of the information that the journalist had to report with. So they had that six of the nine had died of hypothermia and three had died of fatal injuries. Uh, there were no indications that other than the hikers that were there, no other people were around. The tent had been ripped open from the inside the victims had died six to eight hours after their last meal. Traces from the camp showed that all the group members had left on foot. Some levels of radiation were found on one victim's clothing. There were 
they were not attacked or killed by the Manzi people because their force of the blows that they had been dealt had been way too strong and no soft tissue had been damaged. Re, uh, released documents contained no information about the condition of the internal organs of the group. And lastly, there were no survivors other than Yuri Yudin, who wasn't there, basically. Um, and at the time, the official conclusion was that the group members had died because a, of a compelling natural force. Uh, the inquest officially ceased in May of 1959 as a result of there being no guilty party. Uh, the files were then sent to a secret archive. In 1997, they were... Wait. Oh, 1997, it was revealed that negatives from Kurovshenko's camera were kept in a private archive of one of the investigators. The diaries of the Hut King Party fell into a public domain in 2009, and on April 12, 2018, Zolotov's remains were exhumed for further investigation. Um, in February 2019, Russian authorities reopened the case and started to investigate again. Three possible explanations were being considered, uh, which were an avalanche a hurricane, or a slab am avalanche. Uh, some related reports were that uh, a 12-year-old boy had attended one of the funerals of the... F of Wait. He attended funerals of the five of the victims, and he had said they had a deep brown tan. Which... Um, then another report was from another group of hikers that had been south of the incident, reported seeing strange orange fears, spheres in the sky... So perhaps aliens had been involved. So there was so many, like, possibilities here. You had, like, the natural causes, like an avalanche or, like, the weather causing it. Or then you had the idea of aliens. Um, there was another, uh, the incident was caused by Soviet uh, secret weapon experimentation. Uh, some of the reasonings for the avalanche, like, in 2020... The deputy uh, head of Ural's Federation District announced that an avalanche had been the official cause of death. Other people believe or like, oh, maybe a Yeti did it. So we got avalanche um, experimentation on weapons, uh, aliens, and now we got Yetis to the mix. So because the group diary... I keep getting, like, mixed up and, like, because I'm looking at my notes and I look at one part and then I start reading from that part that I already read and then I gotta go back down to, I don't know how to explain it. But other people were like, oh, maybe a Yeti did it because the group had, so, like I said, there was, like, a group diary and one of the entries said, from now on, we know that snowmen exist. They can be found in the northern Ural next to the Mount or Otorten. Uh, the majority of the story is, the major story is that they woke up in a panic and cut their way out of the tent because the entrance of the tent had been covered by the avalanche. So this is like the avalanche point of view, like the side of the story that they believe it was the avalanche. They couldn't get out of the tent because it was closed off by snow. They had to cut it open and, or they were scared about the fact that an avalanche was coming. So it would take... They were too freaked out to, like, just open the tent. So they just decided to, like, cut it open and get out quicker. 
they were poorly clothed because they had been sleeping and they ran to safety or at least tried to in pitch black darkness. Like they just got separated. Uh, the group of two had made a fire. Then you have the group of three that were found in between the wooded area where the two were found and then the tent. Uh, they were trying to return to the tent to get their clothes since the danger had passed, but it was too cold and they froze to death. Then you have the other four that were that sustained the most injuries could have been caught in the avalanche or and buried beneath it, which would prob like it would make sense with the amount of force probably that they were hit with, because it said that the force was strong like similar to that of a car crash, so like an avalanche hitting them. I mean, um, it is believed though, uh, for the case, like regarding the missing eyes and the tongue, uh, it was because of a scavenger or an ordinary predator coming, coming along and taking that. Um, some believe that the military was testing an experiment as there were some known parachute mine exercises. Supposedly, uh, the hikers were woken up by explosions and they fled in a shoeless panic and found themselves unable to return to the tent. Uh, parachute mines detonate while still in the air rather than striking the ground, so some believe that to have been the cause of the bone fractures and such. Then the same with the predators and scavengers regarding the missing tongue, eyes, you know. Um, however, some also think that the weapons that were being tested had traces or like were with radiation and stuff because of the radiation found on some of the clothes uh it just it's it's hard to explain and i don't think there will ever be like a full entire answer like we have so many different theories as to why this happened and what things make sense the most yet i i mean i think the idea of an avalanche is the most possible because it's it makes the most sense to me, but then you think of, like, the radiation and all that stuff. It's just hard to, like, really think of it. I would love for it to be, like, a Yeti or supernatural shit going down or something, but I don't know. It's just a manner, manner of how things happen and such that makes this case interesting. And it's hard to really put it together as to what happened, I guess. Because I, I don't know. Like, the only one that I think is plausible and more people would agree with is the avalanche. And there are a lot of people who believe the Yeti, aliens, um, the experimental testing of weapons. I think either the avalanche or the experimental testing of weapons is the most accurate or close to the truth. But as this is a true crime, unearthly, uh, odd thing podcast, it would be pretty cool if it was a Yeti. But then, like, I don't know exactly. Because we would need more evidence or whatever. Anyway. Um, Avalanche seems more reasonable and plausible. Uh, but a Yeti would be pretty cool. <laughs> There's so many different theories, but th that's my uh, opinion is Avalanche seems more probable but yeti would be cool <laughs> uh anyway that is it for this episode we are cutting it there i know i talk really fast or it's like hard to keep up with me but i i have a habit of talking a lot and talking very fast 
Um, and it just happens. And I'm trying to stop it. But we're cutting it here. I hope you enjoyed uh, this week's episode. Just a reminder, I have Patreon out there. I gotta yawn. <sighs> uh, at the moment, uh, there's one mini episode out. But um, this week, I think I'm going to upload as much as I can over on Patreon to try and catch up in case anybody jumps over there and there's only one thing available. Like, I just feel like I need to have something else available over there for everybody. Um, Also, the full-length episodes, like this one that I'm doing right now, will also be over on Patreon. Those I plan to release earlier than the normal. So, like, uh, Wednesdays are the normal for the big releases, like, average episode. They are released on Wednesdays, and I'm thinking that the ones on Patreon would be released, like, a few days earlier than this would be. Um, I do plan to do a lot of mini episodes over there. You guys on, like, Spotify, Google Podcasts, like, all that, the mini episodes will be over on Patreon. Like, I'm not going to be posting them on here and stuff, but they're going to be on Patreon, um, I, I, maybe I'll finally manage to record a Sweet Dreams episode, but I keep getting, like, I keep messing up, and I don't feel like I have a relaxing voice, like, I feel like I have a hard time with being, like, relaxing and stuff, like, I don't know, I'm still, I, I want to do it because I feel like it would be fun to just read a spooky story for you guys, um, but anyway, Uh, Another thing is Instagram. I have an Instagram where I post pictures about the episodes over there, um, which is unearthlypod22. Uh, We also have a Twitter as well, which is unearthlypod22. You can even email me at unearthlypod22 at gmail.com. So thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you guys have a wonderful day or night, wherever you are. Drink your water. I'm about to drink a lot because I feel like I need to, like, absolutely chug some water right now after talking so fast and for a good while. But I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye. I'm, I'm excited to be back. But bye. Bye. <laughs>